So we're going to turn to the book of Daniel in chapter number 5. And the, 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 the message... The message will include all of Daniel chapter number 5, but I'm just going to read one verse. This is Belshazzar, and he sees a hand writing on the wall. And this is what the hand wrote. And this is the writing that was written. Many, many tekel, you farson. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you and we continue our look at this study of living faithfully in troubled times. God, I pray today that we will see what the title of this message is. It is possible. It is possible to live faithfully in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. God, I pray that we will learn from the life of Belshazzar the danger of turning our hearts away from you. And I pray, God, that if there is one here today that has turned their heart away from you, I pray that you would uh, convict their heart and draw them unto yourself. But we thank you, God, for the truth that we find in your word. But most importantly, we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. You know, one of the characteristics of the present culture is that the present culture, the present generation, doesn't appreciate the older generation. The more I listen to, and, and you know, we don't have as much of it here in our community as there is in other parts of our nation. But one of the things that is happening in culture is that it's sort of, they're sort of pushing aside the older generation. But in the past, that wasn't the case. In the past, the aged were respected for their knowledge and wisdom. And the younger generations were taught to seek out the wisdom of the older. But now the younger generations, because they're more technologically savvy and all of that, they, they think they know more than the older generation. They think they're more intelligent and they think they know how to approach life better than former generations did. But George Santana stated in his work, The Life of Reason, Reason and Common Sense, he said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So because the current generation will not listen to the wisdom of the older generations, there's some difficult lessons in front of them. Like, they have the freedom of speech. And they don't know the depths and the cost, the blood that was poured out so that they might have that freedom. And they are giving themselves over to dictators who are going to silence their freedom of speech. But I don't want to dig into that too much. But they're going to have to learn the value of what it, what it is to have the freedom of speech in this country and to have the freedom of, uh, of worship. And there's so many things that we could talk about. But the current generation is going to learn some difficult lessons. They're going to lose freedoms one by one and... They won't recognize it until, until they're gone. And so last week we talked about Nebuchadnezzar and how that Nebuchadnezzar learned a lesson. Nebuchadnezzar learned the lesson of the sovereignty of God. And he learned the lesson that so that others would know, he said. And he wanted others to know that all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? We mentioned last week that Belshazzar didn't learn a lesson. 
He didn't listen to the wisdom of his father. He did not learn the lesson that Nebuchadnezzar taught. So today, I didn't originally have this planned as a part of the, the series on living faithfully in troubled times, but as I read the passage of Scripture, there were some things in there that I felt like would be beneficial for us, so I, I added this to the study. But we're going to learn and see the study of Belshazzar, and we're going to learn a lesson from the life of Daniel. Here's what I thought about as I read this text of Scripture, and I see Daniel and how, what he does uh, during uh, this passage, Daniel chapter number 5. And here was the thought I had. It is possible to live faithful to God even though you're living under the leadership of a pagan king in a pagan culture. And so for us today, we will recognize that it is possible to live faithful to God even though we're living in a world that is turning its back on God. We're living in a culture that uh, despises the things of God. But it is possible to live faithful to God even though we're living in the culture that we're living in today. So as our study of the downfall of Belshazzar is going to be in three points, we're going to re see Belshazzar's dream first. Then we're going to see Belshazzar weighed in the balances. And finally, we're going to see Belshazzar's reality. Let's read verses 1 through 12 of Daniel chapter number 5. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousands. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine. They praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass and of iron, of wood and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote against the candlestick upon the pilaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against the other. Then the king cried aloud to bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was Belshazzar greatly troubled and his countenance was changed in him. And his lords were astonished. Now, the king, by reason of the words of the kings and his lords, came into the banquet house. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. 
and in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king, Nebuchadnezzar thy father, the king, I say, thy father made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and of dissolving doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar, Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will show you the interpretation. So we remember last week we talked about Belshazzar, the son of Nabonidus. The Neo-Babylonian Empire fell during his reign. It was overrun by Darius. The Medo-Persian Empire becomes the greatest kingdom ruling much of the world at this time. And if you can remember back to the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, the image that Nebuchadnezzar saw, the head of gold and the chest of silver... That's the Medo-Persian Empire. So the chest of silver in Nebuchadnezzar's dream becomes a reality. You'll also remember that Nebuchadnezzar thought his kingdom was never going to fail because he made his image entirely of gold. In Nebuchadnezzar's mind, I'm always going to be king of the world. But God's will is once again accomplished. Nebuchadnezzar is not all that Nebuchadnezzar thought he was, and so his kingdom perishes and the silver chest becomes reality. So as you read this and, and you think about Belshazzar and you think about this great feast that he made and he called these thousands of his lords to come, we recognize that Belshazzar thinks he's invincible. As the old saying go, Belshazzar is a legend in his own mind. He didn't recognize all that went into his father uh, building the kingdom. He didn't realize all that was necessary in order to maintain the kingdom. He just thought because, hey, I'm Belshazzar and I'm here, everything's going to continue on the way that it did. But we know that Belshazzar wasn't all that in a bag of chips. Belshazzar wasn't all that he thought he was and his kingdom is going to fall. One of the reasons it's going to fall is because Belshazzar did not learn to respect the God of Jerusalem. It tells us there that he went and got the golden vessels from the temple and brought them to the party. I mean, he's having a big party to celebrate his greatness, and, and he doesn't know anything about the God of Jerusalem and, and the temple that was in Jerusalem, but he went and got those things and brought them out, and his wives and his concubines and all that, they drank wine out of them, and God is not pleased with that. You know, here, here's the thing. We're talking about living faithfully in troubled times. And one thing we want to realize is that as we continue to live faithfully in troubled times and evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, the respect for the things of God is going to lessen and lessen. The things of God are going to be despised. What we hold dear to us, like the Word of God, or what we hold dear to us, the songs of Zion, or what we hold dear to us, our ability to worship, or the Lord's Supper, or whatever it is that is valuable to us, it's going to become uh, less and less important to those in the world, and they're going to even to begin to despise them. Just go to someone and say, give them your philosophy today about why do you think that 
marriage should be between one man and one woman for a lifetime. Just go and mention that. Well, where do you find that at? Well, it says in the Bible. You know, people don't want the Bible to be the rule of, of, of morality today. And if your morality is determined by the Scripture, you know that that, that thing's going to be despised. So, so we're going to live in a culture that's going to turn its back on God. But I want you to realize that no matter how our culture may despise or simply forget the value of the things of God, as you living faithfully in these troubled times, you don't lose respect for the things of God. You understand the value of gathering together with others. You learn, learn the value of singing praises to His name. You learn the value and remember the value of reading His Word and applying it to your life. You recognize that God blesses those who follow Him with their whole heart. Those who love the Lord with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength. God values that and He will reward you for your faithfulness and putting Him first in His life. Don't forget that. No matter how the world may turn away from God. It tells us in verse number 4 that Belshazzar praised false gods, the gods of gold and of silver, of brass and of iron, of wood and of stone. You know, one living faithfully, even though the world will follow false gods, one living faithfully will continue to worship and praise the God who made the heavens and the earth. The sovereign God of the universe, even though others have forsaken Him, you will continue to worship and praise God. Now, we also want to recognize as you continue to live faithfully in this world, in this culture in which we live, your faithfulness to God will be proven. We're going to find out how faithful you are. Will you, what will you prove when times get tough? Will you stand faithfully for God or will you forsake the things of God? Just remember this. Matthew 10, says, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. In other words, those that are saved are going to endure. And so you're going to have the opportunity to prove your faith. As you're walking in this world, the, the value, the, the, the content of your faith is going to be proven. It's, it's going to be proven whether your faith is real or whether your faith is just, you know, something that you say with, with your mouth. You're, you know, do I, do I really love the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, and all of my strength? Or, or am I just trying to get fire insurance? You know, I just don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to try to do the best I can to, to serve God. But when times get tough... The truth is going to be known. And we're finding out the faith of Daniel, right? We're finding out that Daniel's living in a pagan culture that has turned its back on God, but Daniel is remaining faithful to God. I pray that every one of you here today has that same courage in you and your love for the Lord that you will continue to walk with Him no matter how difficult things might be. Belshazzar sees the handwriting on the wall, right? The fingers appear on the wall in verse number 5, and it tells us that what he saw changed his countenance. What he sees scares him. His knees begin to knock. 
So, so this is a real event for Belshazzar, right? I mean, he's impacted by this. He, he's scared. And so Belshazzar calls for the, the wise men, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and all the wise men of Babylon. And he, and he calls for them, and he's like, all right, guys, listen. If you can tell me what that hand said, if you can tell me what's going on with that hand, I'm going to make you third in the ruler in the kingdom, and I'm going to reward you in a way that's unbelievable. But a lesson he did not learn is the wisdom of this world is foolishness. Remember back when Nebuchadnezzar had these situations, when Nebuchadnezzar had the dream and Nebuchadnezzar dreamed and, and he called all the wise men together? Could they tell him his dream? No. Could they interpret the dream? No. They called upon Daniel. What could Daniel do? Daniel could interpret the dream. Daniel was full of the wisdom that comes from above. This wisdom that the, the, the Chaldeans thought they had, the wise men according to the world, they had no true wisdom. He didn't learn, Belshazzar didn't learn that the wisdom of this world is foolishness. And we need to learn that lesson ourselves. Living in this world of troubled times, we need to recognize the world's wisdom is foolishness. You think about the things that the world says are wise. Think about the things that the world says are valuable, and you'll find out that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. As a matter of fact, God encourages us to understand the wisdom of the world is foolishness. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.20, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? In 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. The things that this world tries to establish, to, to uh, make their names great on this world, God, in this world, God puts that down and He destroys it in an instance. Actually, the Word of God tells us this in Romans 1.22, Professing themselves to be wise they became fools. Because the true wisdom, the wisdom that is from God and the wisdom that is from above, if you live according to that wisdom, that wisdom is eternal and that wisdom is going to stand forever. But the wisdom of this world, investing in certain things, that's, that can be foolishness if you, if you build too much of your trust in those things. Building your life in, in this world is, is foolishness because it's all going to burn up in one day and, and you're going to leave it all behind. So, so why value the things of this world? The wisdom of this world and the, the things that this world thinks are valuable, they're foolishness. And so learn the wisdom from above. Learn to invest in eternity. Learn to think about things that are going to last forever. And Belshazzar didn't learn that lesson. Concern continues to build in the heart of Belshazzar. It tells us in verse number 9, He was greatly troubled. And his countenance was changed in him so much that his lords were astonished. And this, this reminds me of the scripture which teaches 
us how the hearts of men in this world will fail them because of the events that are happening upon the earth. And Luke 21, 26 says, Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And so as I read that text of Scripture, I, I, and I thought about Belshazzar, and he, as he was seeing what was happening all around him, he began to be troubled, and, and he, his countenance was changed in him. And here's what I know. In this world, as things begin to change, men's hearts are going to fail them. Men's hearts are already failing them because they don't know what's happening in this world. And, and they've even thought, hey, there's no value in this world. They're, 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 you're nothing more than an animal. And, and there's nothing important about your life because there's just this life to live for. And, and they, don't, they don't understand what's happening in this world. And then things happen like happened over in in. In Israel, you know, there's an attack, or or there's the attack in Ukraine, or or there's the the the, the bombing in in the United States, you know, and and all of these things happen, and, and people get afraid. I I remember when when uh, uh, Desert Storm happened, and and well, it was when they attacked at the Twin Towers, and I I can remember people coming to me at work and saying, "Mark, is this the end of the world?" They were afraid, and man. After the Twin Towers attack, the churches were full the next Sunday. And that lasted a couple of weeks. People were afraid, but once they found out they were going to survive, they, they weren't afraid anymore. But men's hearts are going to fail them at the things that are going to happen on this earth. So as one living faithfully in troubled times, how will you respond when things begin to happen on this earth and you begin to think, well, what's going to happen next? Will you follow the wisdom that is from above, or will you follow the wisdom that is in this world? But the, king then, the queen then remembers Daniel. And so or Belshazzar has already called all the wise men in, and we know that Daniel was high on the list of the wise men under Nebuchadnezzar's reign, but now it appears Daniel's been pushed to the side. Seems Daniel must have been forgotten. His Wisdom was no longer needed. He didn't hold the place that he held in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. But the queen remembers. And I want you to notice what she remembers. She describes some of the characteristics of, of Daniel. She, she notices that the spirit of the holy gods is in him. So, so she recognizes there's a spirit about him. There's a spirit in him that makes him a different man. And notice also, it says, light and understanding and wisdom are in him. And so Daniel was known for his true wisdom, the light that he shined, and his understanding, his ability to apply uh, wisdom to the events of this world. It was known about Daniel. It, he was, had an excellent spirit, it says. His character was noticed. His character was different than everyone else. He was a different man than all the other, <clears throat> quote-unquote, wise men. He could interpret dreams. And here's what I really want you to notice, where it says that he had the ability, at the end of verse number 12, he has the ability to showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts. So the wisdom of Daniel was such that he could dissolve the doubts 
of others. As things were happening, it was different, that Daniel was just a different man, and, and his wisdom, and his spirit, and his character, and, and all of that, and his ability to talk to someone and dissolve their doubts. It was evident, and the queen took notice of that. What about you? You're living faithfully in troubled times. Can your wisdom dissolve the doubts of others? Can you share with others wisdom that will help them in their times of doubt? Can you help dissolve their doubts, as it says here? Listen, as people who are living faithfully in troubled times, we want to be that type of person. We want to be the type of person that our character is noticed. We want to, people to recognize that we're the light of the world, that light is found in us, and that wisdom and understanding is found in us, that we are people of character, and that we can dissolve their doubts. We can teach them to trust in the Lord with all their hearts and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths, you see. We can share the wisdom of the Word of God with people and dissolve their doubts. But, uh, but Daniel was a man of character and let's strive to be that type of person as we're living in these troubled times. But next we find, and this is a lengthy reading, but we're going to read 13 through 28. We're going to see that Belshazzar is weighed in the balances. Then was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? I have, I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that, that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, but they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I've heard of thee, that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now, if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck and shalt be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then... Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high, O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled before him and feared before him, whom he, would, whom he slew and whom he would he kept alive and whom he would he set up and whom he would he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with the grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and then he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though you knew all of this. But you have lifted up 
thyself against the Lord of heavens. And they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this was the writing which was written. And this is the writing that was written. Many, many tekel you farsen. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many. God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. Fair is. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So Daniel's brought in before the king, and the king makes this proposition, and Daniel doesn't want anything to do with and desire the gifts of the king. Living faithfully in these troubled times, we want to recognize that the thing this world has to offer us hold no value for us. They hold little value for us. We should not want what this world has to offer, neither the gifts nor the honor that this world has to give. Daniel reminds Belshazzar of the lessons that his father learned. God had given him a kingdom. When the heart of Nebuchadnezzar was lifted up in pride, his proud heart was brought low. And his proud heart was brought low until Nebuchadnezzar knew that the Most High ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. Hopefully you guys are getting this lesson as we go through. You're understanding the sovereignty of God and that the kings of this world are subject to God. Also, I hope you're learning that there's, there's little value in the things of this world. But notice that Belshazzar, or that, that uh, Daniel calls out the pride of Belshazzar in verse number 23. Verse 22, O Belshazzar, hast not hum thou, thou hast not humbled thine hearts, though you knew all of this. Belshazzar, what happened to your dad, you knew all about it. And instead of humbling yourself before God, you have lifted up your heart in pride. And you've trusted in these gods. The gods which can't see. The gods which can't hear. The gods which don't know. But he's trusting in gods who can't see, hear, or know. It causes us to challenge our own hearts, doesn't it? What are we trusting in? Are we trusting in things that can't see or hear or know? Are we trusting in the systems of this world? Are we trusting in, 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 a, in a checkbook? Are we trusting in our own wisdom? What are we trusting in? Belshazzar trusted in the wrong thing. Let's make sure that we're trusting in the things that hold eternal value. Daniel, Daniel uh, highlights some of the attributes of God. The God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, you have not glorified. 
And what a lesson for us to learn that our breath is in the hand of God. Do you recognize that today, that God has given you breath? And your ability to... That comes from God. It has little to do with the ability of your lungs. Perfectly healthy lungs have been stopped before. If God says, stop lungs, your lungs are going to stop. Doesn't matter what kind of doctor you might go to, if God says, you're done, you're done. What a lesson for us to learn, that our breath is in the hand of God. So God sent his hand that wrote upon the wall, many, many tekel you farsen. The interpretation, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Here's another lesson for us as Christians living in troubled times. We need to keep our minds or keep fresh in our minds that God is sovereign over the kingdoms of this, kingdoms of this world. He numbers them and finishes them. God numbers the kingdoms that are in this world and He finishes them. He raises them up and He puts them down. The kingdoms of this world are under subjection to God. And, it, and, it, and it's used there many, many. One of the things you want to remember when a word is repeated in the Scripture, it's there for emphasis. So this is a lesson that God wanted Belshazzar to learn, and it's a lesson that we ought to learn. Whenever there's a word repeated, there's, it's emphasized there for us, so it's something that we ought to know. And so God wants us to know and understand the kingdoms of this world. He numbers them, and He finishes them. That should be something in our lives as Christians that we know and understand and believe and build our lives upon, that the kingdoms of this world are numbered by God. He sets them up and He puts them down. Then He says, Tekel, Belshazzar, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Those are sobering words. If, if those words don't cause you to stop and ponder for a minute, that God said, Belshazzar, I know who you are. I know what you're doing. You've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. You see, the reason there are uh, those words should be super, sobering to us is because we recognize that there's going to be two judgments 1 Corinthians 4 or 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. In other words, what that passage of Scripture is saying is one day you're going to be weighed in the balances. That God's going to look at your life. And what will He find? When you're weighed in the balances... Will you be found wanting? You're going to stand before God one day. And what will God say when He looks at your life? You know, there's two judgments. There's the great white throne judgment bar of God. I'm not going to turn there, that's a, but that's the book of Revelation, chapter number 20, when it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And the dead were judged out of the things that were written in those books. That you'll be judged by this. This is the book that you'll be judged by. 
and what was written in the books are your works. And if you're there and you're dead, you're going to be judged out of the Word of God and your works are going to be judged. But I want you to know who's standing there. The dead are standing there. And what you're going to find out if you're standing at the great white throne judgment bar of God is that you've been weighed in the balances and you've been found wanting. All of your works, how they compare to the Word of God, they are wanting. You cannot make yourself acceptable to God. And if you're standing at the great white throne judgment bar of God, you're going to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you then there's another judgment it's called the judgment seat of Christ where those who are saved will give an account for their lives where they will give an account for the talents that they have been given by the Lord and so this is for saved people and at this account at this judgment your life is going to be judged but your life is going to be judged for how you use what God has given you this is these are saved people and so they're going to go to heaven, but still you're going to give an account for your life. Remember, the Bible tells us even ever out of word, we're going to give an account. So, so I want you to think about that. Every one of us are going to give an account for our lives. Some who are lost, they're going to give an account, and they're going to be found to be wanting, and they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Lake of fire. But every Christian is going to be uh, brought before the judgment seat of Christ, and your life is going to be investigated by God also, how you have used what He has given you for His glory. And so as a saved person, you need to think about that. You're going to give an account for your life one day. What determines which judgment you will face? Will you face the great white throne judgment bar of God? Or will you face the judgment seat of Christ? Which one? What makes the difference? Jesus said this, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon the rock. Will you hear the sayings of Jesus? Will you build your life upon the rock of Jesus Christ? Will you trust Him as Lord? He laid down His life for the sins of men. Will you believe that He is the Savior of the world? Will you take up your cross and begin to follow Him as His disciple? Will you spend your life serving Him? If you have trusted Christ and you've built your life upon Him and you've taken up your cross and have followed Him and you're uh, using your life for Him, you're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to be saved. You're going to be ushered into eternity. You're going to give an account for your life, but you're saved. If you don't build your life upon Jesus Christ, if you don't build your life upon the sayings of Jesus Christ, if you do not trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will find yourself at the great white throne judgment bar of God. Which one are you going to be at? Perez, it says, thy kingdom is divided and given, given to the Medes and the Persians. So, so, quick lessons for us. Belshazzar lifts himself up in pride against the Lord of heaven. We want to understand to everything there is a season and a time to every person when God is, a time to every purpose. When God is ready, he will put down all rebellion. And so, living faithfully, we want to understand this. Rebellion against God is going to continue until God says, okay, enough's enough, I'm done with this. I'm going to put an end to all of this rebellion. And He's going to squash all rebellion. He's going to cast the devil and all wickedness is going to go into the lake of fire and it's going to be there for eternity. But there is coming a day when God is going to put down all rebellion. We also want to learn that Belshazzar did not have respect for the house of God. Belshazzar praised gods which cannot see, hear, or know. So what should we do? 
We ought to realize that God does see, hear, and know. God is a God who gives us breath. God possesses and controls the ways of the kings of this earth, and we ought to be praying to the God of heaven. Belshazzar also, it says of him, that he was not thankful. We want to realize that that's the attributes of the lost world. The attributes of the lost world is that they are unthankful. This, let me read this real quick. Romans 1.21 says, Because that when they knew not God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So now we're going to look at Belshazzar's reality. This is really simple. Verse 29. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Daniel is rewarded. Belshazzar made him a promise. Daniel uh, made good on what he said he would do, and he is rewarded. But then I want you to notice, in that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom being about three score and two years old. The kingdom is taken from Belshazzar. The Neo-Babylonian Empire falls to the Medo-Persians. This takes place about 539 B.C. The armies of Cyrus, under the leadership of Darius, assume control over Babylon in that night. You lift your heart up in pride against God, and one day you will give an account. One day your prideful heart will be brought low. The question is, will it be brought low on this side of eternity or on that side of eternity? We know that all, uh, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess to the glory of God the Father. But will you bow your knee to God today? Or will you do it when it's too late? Learn from Belshazzar to humble your heart before God before it's too late. So Belshazzar had hard lessons to learn. He had to learn the lessons because he did not listen to the wisdom of his father. So what will be the result in our culture? Will we forget the value of freedom which generations before us fought to earn? Will our culture forget the lessons of the past, that the way that men prosper is to follow the wisdom of God, that God created male and female, and that a man is to leave his father and mother and to cleave unto his wife. The companionship of a man and a wife having children and raising them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord is the key to human flourishing. Will we learn that lesson, or will we continue on the pathway that leads to destruction? What will be the result in our church? Will we learn the generation, lessons of the generations before us learning the value of faithfulness to God? And what will be the end result in your life? Will you learn the wisdom from those who have gone before you? If you don't learn the lessons of those before you, you're doomed to repeat it. And so will you listen to the wisdom, the wisdom of the Word of God and the wisdom of the ages, or will you turn your back on the things of God? What will your answer be? I pray that the Holy Spirit has stirred you up 
to see that you need to trust Christ and you need to walk with Him in these last days. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we had to be in your house and learn from your word today. Challenge our hearts, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We want to stand and turn to page number...